Welcome to the Life in Deep Ellen podcast, exploring the sacred in art, faith, and community. Well, um, it's hard to believe that I was originally planning to be flying to Tel Aviv, Israel on Sunday, October 8th, the day following um, the unthinkably evil attacks of Hamas. I was going to tour the Holy Land with a group of colleagues, but several weeks ago, based on a lot going on in my life, I had decided that the timing of this tour was not best for me. And um, while I can receive a refund from Delta for my plane ticket, I am sickened to my stomach seeing the 1,300 Jewish people who will not receive a refund on their precious God-given life taken from them by the force of evil and darkness itself. Sometimes the world unravels overnight, doesn't it? If you've been impacted by the traumatic images and stories coming out of the Middle East this week, if you have felt your own heart break over the suffering of innocent Israelis and Palestinian lives lost, know that this is a sign that you still have a beating heart in your chest. This is a sign that you still are alive that empathy and concern still lives in you. Darkness is showing its face boldly and brazenly in our midst. And darkness wants us to cower in fear, to become numb to terror itself, and to surrender to evil, an endless eternal war. Darkness and evil hope that you will tire of caring of this global ethical crisis and will eventually just go on with with your lives unmoved. But Jesus, my friends, Jesus knows a different way. Jesus knows how to walk in darkness with the bold love of God's light. Jesus knows how to weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. And Jesus knows that no matter how dark a tomb looks on a Friday, it can still turn up empty three days later. And so it is our task as those who love Jesus to follow him into treacherous waters. It's our task to live in the promise of resurrection and hope, no matter how powerful the forces of evil might seem. It is our task, you see, to be peacemakers. And notice the word make. Think about something that you make. You make bread. You make a craft. Peace is not something that God bestows to us 
without our own efforts. Peacemaking happens when we make peace here on earth in the loving name of Jesus. I learned recently that when Muslims pray, they make dua. This is what they, they call prayer. They make dua or they make supplications to God. This phrase invites me to consider peacemaking differently. We make peace. We make requests to God. And in these challenging, challenging, painful times, we make deep requests that God would help us to create a world that is different than the world that evil has made and continues to make. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's a reason J Jesus gave us that prayer to pray because we're gonna have to keep praying it every day. We're gonna have to spend our whole lives praying it making it true with our actions. But peace is not made easily. Oh, Lord, you know this, don't you? Even though we believe that the Prince of Peace has already restored and redeemed this world, we know that the work of God is not done or complete. It is in process. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection was the beginning, not the destination or the end of God's work. And so we are called to that painstaking process of peacemaking as followers of Jesus. And peacemaking is scary. It kind of goes against the the what we might initially think, you know, peace as kumbaya and everything's easy. But peacemaking is really scary. It involves stepping into treacherous waters and trusting Jesus to guide us. But good for us, Jesus has been making peace in the Middle East and peace in every heart since before year 4 BC. Simon Peter was a disciple of Jesus who was living a fairly normal life as a fisherman before he got the call. Jesus asked him and his brother Andrew to give up the task of regular fishing and become fishers of men with him. You might have heard this, this phrase. And so our story today is a story about Simon Peter in a time when he was called to leap into treacherous waters with Jesus. Now, when Jesus asked him to become fishers of men, Simon Peter was unfamiliar with that particular fishing industry. <laughs> but something told him to risk it all and follow this man named Jesus. And Simon Peter's journey with Jesus is a complicated one. He eventually is renamed by Jesus from Simon to Peter, a name that means rock or pebble, really. 
the feminine version of this name being Petra. Jesus says that this is the rock that Jesus will build his church on. But Peter also goes on to deny Jesus three times before Jesus is crucified. And then Peter is later crucified himself by the Roman Empire for his role in following Jesus. So you see, Peter's own faith journey was rocky at times, pun intended. His name means rock. But what's interesting to me is that the Apostle Paul, or the Apostle Peter, that our tr Christian tradition began to claim original apostolic authority to, or called the first pope, as the Catholic Church would say, was at one point a nervous fisherman who walked on water with Jesus. Before he was Apostle Peter or an OG Pope, he was sinking Simon, who nervously followed Jesus out onto these treacherous waters. So let's read this story today um, and ask God to help us hear a new word through this ancient story. I'm going to read um, from the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. And if you'd like a Bible, you can raise your hand and we'll make sure we can get that for you. Um, and I'm also going to ask, I think there's an artwork that I'm going to ask to shift to on the screen. Um, and I'll talk more about this in a minute. Immediate, this is Matthew 14, chapter 14, verse 22. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat battered by the waves was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking towards them on the lake. But when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, come, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. So this, this artwork is by a woman named um, Reverend Lyle Garrity. She's on the sanctified art team. And so it gives a perspective of the crashing waves and maybe what uh, Simon Peter might have saw as Jesus said, come to me on this water. It sounds like a spooky scene, doesn't it? It's spooky season. 
and Jesus is out here sneaking like a ghost on dark waters. Sounds like a niche Halloween costume idea. (laughs) This is after Jesus has gone MIA again, retreating to pray on his own. He was probably mourning the death of John the Baptist, who in chapter 14, scripture tells us, was killed by King Herod. I can understand why the disciples are spooked. We probably would be a little spooked too. Like, dude, give us a heads up if you're going to be walking on water in the middle of this crashing waves. But here's the thing. Here's the thing about fear. Fear can either paralyze us or invite us into deeper connection with Jesus. And Simon chooses to not be paralyzed by his fear and instead calls out to Jesus when he sees Jesus walking on water, this strange image. And yes, Peter kind of tests Jesus in a way. He says, Lord, if it is you, ask me to come to you. But Simon Peter isn't testing Jesus in the same way that, say, the Pharisees did when they wanted to see Jesus fail, or in the way that Satan tests Jesus in the wilderness and wants to see him fail. Simon is testing Jesus in hopes that his instinct is true and Jesus is who he says he is. So it's less of a malicious test and more of hope, reaching out, nervously, but hoping that Jesus is who he says he is. Notice that he says, Lord, if it is you. But he's already said, Lord. (laughs) If he's already calling him Lord, he probably knows that it is Jesus. And then he says, tell me, if it is you, tell me to come to you. What a move. And is it the smartest move? Be careful what you wish for, Simon. The first most obvious miracle here is that Jesus is able to walk on water. Obviously, that's pretty miraculous. But I think the second less obvious miracle is that Simon, a disciple of Jesus, steps out in the midst of his fear. But the wa- he starts to walk, and then the waters swell, and Peter, Simon Peter becomes afraid. Fear can sink us. Difficult moments are already challenging, right? And then our additional fear can weigh us down even more. Anxiety, fear, and violence appear to offer us a life raft in the treacherous waters we face. If we just worry more, we'll be safer. If we fight against our enemy, we'll be safer. If we stay hunkered down and isolate ourselves in fear, if we withdraw from every human being, somehow we can be safe. But instead, anxiety, fear, and violence don't make us safer. 
They poke the holes in our boots and let the water sink in, weighing us down even more. This is a kind of strange example, but it's kind of like when my overweight cat does not want to go to the vet. He is already very heavy in the carrier, but his refusal to accept his circumstances, I swear to y'all, it makes him 10 times heavier. We as humans, when faced with evil, darkness, and scary, swelling waters, have an understandable instinct to self-protect and become even heavier in our suffering. Notice that Simon Peter looks down at the swelling waters. And how often do we, when we face very scary things, we look down at the thing that is scary. And at times, we forget about the loving Savior right in front of us. We turn our gaze to the scary evil beneath us and forget that there is a loving Savior before us. I don't know the answer to the deeply complex historical conflict unraveling in Israel and Palestine. I don't know the answers about a lot of the complex systemic evil that our world faces. I don't understand the layers of every crashing wave that threatens to sink the region into endless tragedy. But I do know this. I do know that there is a savior who is calling out and ready to pull us up from the dangers we face. I do know that while evil and hatred sink us, love and compassion save us. And compassion is not a limited resource for Jesus. This week it is felt at times that compassion is on short supply. If you give your compassion to one group, you are somehow taking it away from another group. But beloveds, this is not how the economy of heaven works. Because there is always enough compassion. There are always enough tears to shed in solidarity with those who mourn. There is always enough justice to be served for those who unjustly lose their lives. When children die, God does not examine their nationality or ethnicity before pouring out God's grief. And evil will say that war is the only answer. That violence can only be prevented with more mass violence. But love knows another way. I'm not sure if there's an issue in your life that feels like it is sinking you. And maybe you are tempted to look down at these scary waters, which the waves are pretty big. I mean, they look pretty scary. Maybe your gaze turns to the fear 
the scary prospects in front of you. But I remind you today that there is one named Jesus out on those waters with you. Jesus never sends us out into treacherous waters alone. Jesus always walks with us in our struggles, in the struggles of our families, in the struggles of our communities, in the struggles of our entire world. Jesus walks on water with us. And so when someone asks you, do you stand with Israel or do you stand with Palestine? I encourage you to consider saying, I walk with Jesus. I walk on treacherous waters and serve the Prince of Peace who turns weapons into plowshares, who turns graves into gardens, who brings life from death. I walk with Jesus, who somehow, beyond all logic and reason, loved his enemies and still opposed their actions of evil. I walk with Jesus, who ventures in between blockades and crosses over walls and creates corridors of compassion for all human beings, regardless of who they are or where they are born. I walk with Jesus, and when fear attempts to sink my humanity, crush my hope for a better world, I cry out, Lord, save us, and I take the hand of my Savior. Let us also remember that we cannot call for peace in the world around us without letting the Prince of Peace rule the world within us. There's a temptation to think that war and violence happens out there and that we are disconnected fundamentally from the evils that we face and see. But you know what, there is a territory right here, it's like here, that must surrender to Christ's peace if we truly want world's world peace. There's a region that must surrender to Christ's peace. Peace lies within us too. And so I ask myself these questions and I ask them to you. What parts of your own heart have you blockaded what parts of yourself have become refugees to your own soul? What corridors of compassion need to be created in you so that you might see yourself and your neighbor with more love? When have you tried to use words of violence to hurt someone else? When have you refused forgiveness and held on to self-protection and let someone be defined by their worst action? When have you refused to forgive yourself and let yourself be defined by your own worst action? When have you judged whole groups of people 
based on your own bias? And where is hope in your heart? Has hope become numb? Has Christ's love become numb? Has apathy made its home and set up camp in you? The good news is that it's never too late to reach out and take the hand of Jesus. And in fact, getting a little lost before you get found is kind of just true to the gospel itself. That's kind of part of what we do. We get a little lost, and then we get a little found, and then we get lost again, and then we get found again, and on and on and on and on. This is the journey of faith. Where evil and fear sinks, my friends, hope rises. Hope rises. Hope is a force beneath us that lifts us in compassion for each other. It gives us miraculous amounts of understanding for others, even our enemies. Because it comes from God. And so we always have access to this incredible source of hope and peace. Hope lifts us from these stormy waters and sets our eyes on higher ground. Because no matter how dark darkness looks, as we said this morning, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. So let's be people who show light to the world. They need us, y'all. Our faith is not just a personal, fun thing to do. It's not just for our own lives. The world needs us to show up as witnesses to hope, faith, and peace. We can be the people who mourn with those who mourn. We can be the people who have time to stop whatever we're doing and sit and listen to someone's story. Let's be the people who show light. On Friday night, Jewish families lit candles for Shabbat dinner. But this weekly ritual was different this time in light of the tragedy they experienced and the trauma that they felt. They lit candles for themselves and some lit candles for those who could not be there that night for Shabbat dinner because they lost their lives. The candle was lit in their honor. Despite all tragedy and darkness, light shines on. And yesterday, there was an eclipse. 
And if you notice, the shadows were shaped like crescent moons because a large part of the whole sun was dramatically covered up. And Liz even texted me, don't look right at it. <laughs> so I didn't. <laughs> but then I saw Andrew said he didn't even need sunglasses. So I was confused on how bright the actual sun was. <laughs> but even though the sun was covered up momentarily, the sun was still there because the darkness will never fully overcome the light. There will be moments when evil appears to have the upper hand in our lives, in our families, in our communities, in the world. And understandably, we may not want to look right at it. <laughs> We might want some sunglasses, <laughs> okay? We might want some distance between the horrors of humanity. But let's not forget that our creator's love can never be defeated. Peace will come. We will help make peace by following Jesus where he asks us to go. Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lift us up out of these treacherous waters, Lord, and keep our eyes focused on 